A reading from the Gospel according to Luke, chapter 10, beginning with the 25th verse. Just then a lawyer stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, what is written in the law? What do you read there? He answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have given the right answer. Do this, and you will live. But wanting to justify himself, he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, A man who was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers who stripped him, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, while traveling, came near him, and when he saw him, he was moved with pity. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, having poured oil and wine on them. Then he put him on his own animal brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper and said, Take care of him, and when I come back I will repay you whatever you spend. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? He said, the one who showed him mercy. Jesus said to him, Go and do likewise. The Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. This text gets interpreted in many, many, many different ways. Some people use it to Enlist people in a more moral way of living, of serving their neighbor and doing things because Jesus said, go and do likewise. Be like the Samaritan, they say. And that is a credible way to interpret the text. Some people interpret it and say, don't be like the religious professionals. Don't be like the Levite and the priest who refused to see the man. Even though they saw the man. And again, it's a credible way to interpret Jesus' story. I wear glasses when I don't have my contacts in because if I take my contacts out right now, y'all would look like a curtain to me. You wouldn't look like people. I can see, but I can't see. If I have corrected lenses on, I can see great. Eye doctors know that when they put me in front of that little machine and measure my eyes, you know what I mean? Any of y'all ever had an eye exam? I see some heads nodding. Thank goodness y'all don't like my jokes, but you've had eye exams. It's good news. 
So you've had an eye exam. They put you in front of that little machine and they take that first reading of your eyes. I tried a new eye doctor one time. I'm going to call them out. It was Sansbury Eye Clinic in, in Columbia, South Carolina. They read my eyes on that machine. She knew I couldn't see anything. She knew that. And she still made me stand out in that hallway and try to read that eye chart at the end of the hallway in front of ten other people. And I was embarrassed. Because I could see that day, but I didn't have vision because my eyes, my eyesight wasn't corrected. Helen Keller is famous for making a quip, and you can see it in two different quotes, so I won't try to quote her, but basically what she said, she said there's something worse than being blind. You can have sight and have no vision. You can be able to see, but refuse to see. So the priest and the Levite, they refuse to see. Their problem is they didn't give a crap about somebody who was hurting. That's their problem. They think they're better than the guy in the ditch so they can walk by him and not look at him. Robert Capon offers us another way to interpret this text. He says, what if Jesus is the man in the ditch? What if Jesus' point is that he's come, he's traveled a foreign road, he's traveled down from Jerusalem to another place and he's fallen into the hands of wicked and sinful men. Remember when Jesus said that about himself? I go now to be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and be delivered up and put to death. What if Jesus is the man in the ditch? And what if the point of this story is for us to understand that Jesus, God incarnate, has come to get into the ditch with the suffering, and therefore we have no excuse to not get in the ditch with the suffering. But we might ought to be called where Jesus is, which apparently is in the ditch with the suffering. And how do we know that? Because according to the Scriptures, we are all short of the glory of God. We are all subject to the death brought about by sin. We are all, we are all wicked at heart and in need of a Savior. We are all the man in the ditch. And Christ comes to join us in the ditch. That's good news. Where we get in trouble in this text is when we assume that we're one or the other. That we're the priest, that we're the Levite, that we're the Samaritan, or even worse, that we're Jesus, the wise one who knows what to do. And the last time I was confronted with this text on a Salkahatchee Bay Sunday was when I preached at the Pendleton Church. And I told them that assuming makes an ass out of you and me, and it does. If we assume that we're any of these people in this story short of understanding that ultimately we're the person in the ditch, that we are the person who needs help in all circumstances, none of us, none of us is in a place where we are not in incredible need of God's grace and mercy, that we are not in incredible need of God to stand with us then we lose sight of everything that Jesus is saying and everything that Jesus has done. If we rectify in our own hearts that we don't need a Savior, then there is no Savior for us. And even worse, even worse, if we assume that being in the ditch is Jesus' job alone, then we lose sight of who Jesus really is. I need glasses to be able to see well. I need a Luke 10 
a Luke 10, 33 vision. Listen to that verse. But a Samaritan, while traveling near him, while traveling, came near him, and when he saw him, he was moved with pity. The other two saw him and weren't moved by his condition at all. To them, he was a political problem like immigrants and their children at the border. To them, he was a political problem, someone they couldn't get involved with, something that's not happening to them that they can keep at a distance. When did you ever hear Jesus make that commandment? Stay away from the suffering. Stay away from the hurts of the world. Did you ever hear Jesus in the gospel say anything to the effect of look out after yourself first? Have you ever heard Jesus say anything like you're the most important thing in the world? Make sure you're taken care of first. Did you ever read where Jesus said your security was more important than the comfort of others? It ain't in there. But yet today many would hear this story of Jesus and say, well, that doesn't apply to political issues, but it does. It applies to all of life. Jesus is reminding us that we are all the person in the ditch and wondering if we will allow anyone to help us at all. He's reminding us that our neighbor is the ditch. And will we be resolved at all to have the vision to see them with compassion? We, we remember that at one time we were lost and without hope in the world. And Christ came and took our hand and pulled us out of the same ditch. Or will we turn a blind eye to the suffering and hurt of others in the world? Like many of you, my first reaction when I see the images on TV of people, people in con detention prisons, of children separated from their parents, my first thought is, well, it helps us be secure. And maybe it does. And my second, second thought is, God help me see them the way you do. To see people with compassion is the fruit of faith in Christ. We can interpret this parable many ways. I've given you three. But the bigger picture that Jesus offers us is do we see people with compassion? The litmus for us is when confronted with the need of another human being, will we give up ourselves to help that other human being? The priest and the Levite refused to do so and the Samaritan did. How is your eyesight, church? Is it focused on you or focused on others? How is your vision? This story reminds me that mine's not perfect yet. But I want it to be. How does that relate to Salkahatchee? I have beside me as I preach today young people who saw the need of others and responded to it. Like Jesus, they became losers and gave up their holiday for others. Their friends back home said, I can't believe you losers aren't at the lake today. While you sweated beside a toilet, crawled under a house, sweated on a roof that wasn't yours. 
Why is Salkahatchee important? First and foremost, it gives relief to the suffering. But the second, it teaches people how to see with compassion. And if you ask me, that's in relatively and maybe extremely short supply in our world today. So dear ones, as you listen to these young people talk about their experience of the Salkahatchee Mission Camp, will you ponder your vision? Will you think about how you see suffering in the world? And ask yourself, ask yourself if you yet have the eyes of Christ. Who when he saw our suffering, gave up all he had and joined us in the middle of it.